What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome to the special bonus episode of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by thegorillaposition.com and presented by Hami Media. On this special episode, we're going around the pool once again to talk a little bit of backlash today. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans. Oh, wait, no. No, today it is not. Today is not a podcast by the fans for the fans. Today we have a special guest. But before we get to him, ladies and gentlemen, let me first bring in my favorite Huckleberry, Huckleberry number one, RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. That is, it's great to be back here. Uh, we're, we're bringing back a, a, an old gimmick of ours, the poolside booker. Uh, but we have brought in a, a very special guest. I, I cannot even stress how excited I am to have him on the show here. Uh, he is a, a brother of ours from over on the Hami Media Group. He is the one, the only, Mr. Strangler, Steve King. Mr. King, welcome on with us. Uh, hey, Rick, uh, before we get going, I, I kind of have an issue. Uh, you know, I know it's my first time on your show and everything, but, uh, you know, when you and I were talking privately in uh, Facebook Messenger about coming on your show, you said that um, Jargo was going to forward me $250 to my PayPal account through the uh, friends and uh, family uh, gimmick there. And, uh, you know, I kept checking it all day long and it's still not there. So, you know, I'm not really sure, like, what you're, you know, is this a rib or... You know, when I can expect that cash coming from Jargo. So well, I, I think, think we the kind of straighten that out. The confusion there is our booking fees go through onewrestling.com. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, after, you know, he, he's a little behind the ball sometimes. Uh, so, so we'll, have, we'll have to the get check is in the mail. We'll, we'll have to get with Big Ray. We'll have to get with One Wrestling and get that all straightened out for you. Uh, all right. Okay. I like how everybody's passing the heat and somehow I didn't say a word <laughs> and all of the heat was taken <laughs> off of me in one fail swoop. One fail swoop. See, that's why we, that's got, why we got, got the Strangler here. That's why we got the Strangler here. He can book these wonderful conundrums, that's which right. has become backlash. Uh, I guess before we jump in there, Steve, um, yeah. could you share with our listeners? I, we do have uh, a little bit of a crossover on the platforms um, from our listeners over on Hameen Media. But uh, we also have uh, another base that we reach out there, uh, especially through uh, our partner site, uh, thegrillposition.com. Could you share with them uh, your background? I know I mean, you've been in this business for so long. You've worked mm-hmm. with some great names. You've worked at some great places. And you've done a little bit of everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, I broke into the business in 1992 under the tutelage of Killer Kowalski. And yes, I was there during the infamous time when Triple H was training, Perry Saturn, John Cronus, Gotti Too Hotty, uh, China came in a little bit later. And uh, yeah, it was like a literal who's who of uh, uh, professional wrestling at that time. And um, I worked for his, uh, Killer Kowalski's uh, independent wrestling organization called the International Wrestling Federation. And I was there for several years as a talent and uh, did a lot of things there. In fact, I was in... uh, China's first five matches as a mixed tag team partner when she was breaking in before she went to New York. And uh, she was actually funny little thing. She was actually going to be the bridesmaid at my wedding, but she got signed about two months before our our wedding. So that didn't end up happening. But um, I'm from the Boston area originally, but I've lived all over the country doing lots of wrestling stuff. Um, My wife actually is also a retired wrestler. She wrestled for 16 years. We met at Killer Kowalski's school. And uh, she's wrestled all over the country, all over Canada and England. And uh, 
is now retired from the business, but still remains a fan like myself. And we watch uh, <laughs> lots of WWE. In fact, we just went to our, it was her 16th WrestleMania and my 14th WrestleMania uh, just this past uh, couple weeks ago. And we had a great time. And uh, now currently, um, I mean, I've done a whole bunch of stuff in the business besides just wrestling. I've, I've been a manager. I've played the music for entrances. I've collected ring gear. I've helped promote. I've run locker rooms, guerrilla positions. I've executive produced uh, internet pay-per-views. And now I'm doing uh, a podcast on uh, Wednesdays with the Wednesday Locker Room at hackerhameen.podbean.com on the uh, Hameen uh, Media Group platform with uh, my homeboys, uh, Andrew Bello and um, Billy Ray Valentine. And we're having a great time doing that. We do a Raw and SmackDown review every week. And uh, we do it Tuesday night after SmackDown is over. Then it drops on Wednesday. So we've been having a great time doing that. And we're talking all things WWE and wrestling in general. The things we like, the things we don't like, the things that we thought we could uh, see be better and things like that. And it's been um, it's been a great ride so far doing that. One of these days. Hang on. Hang on one second, Rick. I'm, I'm ahead, sure man. I'm sure that you get asked a ton of questions about your time at Killer Kowalski School. And, and this show yeah. is obviously not not the time for that. But one of these days, I want to just do a podcast with you about your time with Perry Saturn, because I'm pretty sure that you've got some really good Perry Saturn stories. I, I could tell you some stuff about Perry Saturn that uh, would probably change your opinion of him. Uh, oh, I'm not saying I have him, a high opinion of Perry Saturn. Yeah. I'm just sure that there's uh, plenty of yeah. stories. <laughs> there, I, I, I could write a book alone on um, interactions with Perry Saturn. Yeah, definitely. Rick, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, you know, as he was running through his background there, it's so impressive. Uh, even here, myself, I'm learning uh, quite a bit. Uh, it, what a, a perfect situation, you know, to bring him in here to uh, to lay out, you know, how you know he would he would book backlash and maybe put uh, some storylines going forward. I guess before we actually jump back into the card card here, Steve, what is what is kind of the mindset is as you prepare if you're looking at an event, uh, like and you're laying out a card or you're looking at your stories. I mean, how do you how do you kind of get yourself like geared geared up in that direction? Well, if you're talking about going into something like backlash, which is right around the corner. The thing that I would be doing is kind of actually, this sounds silly, but you're looking at a wide story arc with your largest pay-per-views of the year. And Backlash is kind of like that speed bump in going into summer. So my stuff going into Backlash would ultimately be feeding towards SummerSlam because that's where my, you know, my, that's where my focus would be because, you know, you're, you're doing everything, in my opinion, seasonally. You're doing WrestleMania to SummerSlam, SummerSlam to Survivor Series, Survivor Series to Royal Rumble leading back into WrestleMania. And everything else in between is kind of like, you know, part of the roller coaster, if you will. So the stuff that you have going into Backlash, it does need to be built up properly. But ultimately, the, the, the wider spectrum of it is everything leading in towards the end of the summer. Very good. Very good. Well, let's take a look at all of the individual matches. What I have here is a little bit of a synopsis of the story going into the matches, and then we'll kind of bounce things off of Rick, and then Steve can tell Rick how terribly wrong he is. I think that, <laughs> I think that sounds like a wonderful podcast. That sounds like a great podcast, at least to my ears. So let's, uh, let's start things off with probably the most perplexing match on the card, at least in my mind's eye. Um, and that would be Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley 
taking on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. There's not necessarily a whole lot of background to this match. On the April 9th episode of Raw, Bobby Lashley made his return to the WWE. His last WWE match was back in 2008. Also that night, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn appeared backstage on Raw trying to convince Raw general manager that Kurt Angle was to hire them back. They were unsuccessful in gaining back their jobs. Angle decided that the winner of the match would get a contract. Match ended in a double countout. Neither received the contract. April 16th, during the Superstar Shakeup, Raw Commissioner Stephanie McMahon overruled Angle, awarded both Owens and Zayn contracts. Uh, later on, there was a 10-man tag match uh, where they were defeated by the opposing team, which included Lashley and Braun Strowman. Then on the April 30th episode, Roman Reigns, Lashley, and Strowman defeated Jinder Mahal, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn in a six-man tag team match. Uh, during the match, Strowman continuously just beating the ever-loving crap out of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, crashing them into barricade walls. Later on that night, the match was announced that it's going to be Lashley and Strowman versus Owens and Zane. Now, we Rick and I, we just did a preview episode for OneWrestling.com. Rather than your preview, Rick, how would you book this match to go down on Sunday? Well, this is a this is an interesting matchup here. We've had some great debates over um, you know where they should go with this, and more in particular about where the direction should be with Bobby Lashley. We feel like they they really need to do something to to kickstart. Uh, you know, where they want to go with him or just, you know, really put a spotlight on him because he's just kind of been present up to this point. Uh, I know that I have been a big proponent of, I like to see him remain a face as I think that he could be a great role model, uh, you know, not just for the African-American fan base, but just, you know, all fans in general, I think that'd be something that he would really excel at. Uh, I know the other side of the coin is turn him heel so he can maybe fall into that top heel position uh, and and be that muscle to work against a Braun Strowman or Roman Reigns. I'm kind of, at this point, I think I want to go somewhere in the middle. I would have uh, Braun and Lashley go over. Uh, Post-match, I think it's just, you start a slow burn where uh, maybe they, they shake hands. Lashley isn't so quick to release the grip, or maybe he even grabs the microphone uh, and says, you know what, I, I didn't come here really to be friends with everyone. I didn't come here to work in a tag, uh, you know, in a in the tag division, I want the top singles competition. Braun Strowman, I'm turning my attentions towards you. I, I want you in a match. Steve, tell him how wrong he is. Well, I, I, I think with wrestling, it's just also a matter of what you particularly like. I don't know if that's what he says is wrong or right, but it is a way to get to where they want probably end up going is with Strowman versus uh, Lashley. But to me, to do that, I would actually get Owens and Zayn over on top of them through some sort of miscommunication between the two giants. That way, because Owens and Zayn have been kind of like the battering rams lately. And if you need to keep them as effective heels, you kind of have to get them some cheap wins. So I think I would have them over, but I would certainly not clean by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but especially the way, like you said, um, Strowman was like giving them the shoulder tackles on the floor and Owens was selling the crap out of it, which is it's, it's a different side of Owens because everything he usually does is like so done like mockingly, like jokingly in a way, tongue in cheek, if you will. So it's good to see him selling for real, for, for real monsters and stuff. Uh, with Lashley, I don't disagree with him turning heel. In fact, I think that's not a terrible idea, at least for the beginning, to get him heated up and uh, maybe give him a manager like like up, um, you know, Paul Heyman, someone that can talk for him. Because I was mentioning this on the locker room maybe a week ago, that Lashley has all the uh, credentials to be like a top guy. He's got the height, the strength, the track record, the, the resume, the uh, credibility, uh, you know, 
just his, his ability in the ring is really good, but what he, where he lacks it is in that connection with the crowd through promo. And having somebody like a Heyman or so Heyman-like, it doesn't have to necessarily be Paul Heyman, but somebody who can help speak on his behalf to make him into more of a monster that could, you know, people could see credibly taking on Strowman in a feud. It doesn't have to be a long-standing feud. It could just go into, like I said, uh, like SummerSlam and then go from there. But, um, you know, personally, I'd like to see uh, Lashley stay face because I'm all, I would love to see WWE have a positive black role model. And somebody like Lashley, I think, could really fill that void because it seems like a lot of their black talent over the last several years has really been like, um, uh, I don't want to say booked as a joke, but just not like the serious candidate. I mean, they have, um, uh, man, I'm sorry. The, the name of the cruiserweight champion is escaping me. He's, he's booked seriously, but, uh, um, oh, uh, Cedric Alexander, Cedric Alexander, but it, but it's not in a role that people will see week to week because it's kind of buried into the show. It's not like a, you know, a focus point. So I think how I would book that is Owens and Zane going over, Lashley and Strowman maybe having a little heat out of that because whoever ends up um, doing the job and then there's a little bit of heat between them and seeing those two kind of go off into their own business. And that leaves Owens and Zane Strong in the kind of the tag division to kind of keep their credibility going forward. Do you like Braun Strowman as the baby face, the lead baby face of Monday Night Raw? I don't mind him being a baby face so long as it's not the happy-go-lucky teddy bear baby face. I think he can still be aggressive and still be a baby face. It's just that, like, uh, Hameen and I had talked about this for forever, like, back over at Christmas time when he was doing that elf skit online and dressing up as an elf and doing all this, you know, ha-ha kind of stuff. It really kind of hurt his credibility because he was in such a hot point at that that time. He was still kind of new. And um, to see him kind of break that character of, of that, you know, that concrete wall of a man kind of doing that, you know, clicking his heels, walking down the street kind of, I think, took this, the wind out of his sails a little bit. But I do think that he can still like remain credible as a babyface so long as he sticks tr- to what 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 would work for him, and that's to just remain like dominant. You know, you need to have him in that role. And the way you get over on him is like a heel is cheap. They go to something that's vulnerable on a big guy. His eyes, his ears. You know, you can work subtly to get the guy down, and then work it from there and let him build back up. You know, using ultimately his his brute strength as his you know his comeback. See, this is why we bring in the experts, ladies and gentlemen. It's way better than my opinions of what I would do. I'd come up with something probably like dick and fart jokes. Let's uh, let's look at uh, <laughs> Big Cass and Daniel Bryan. Speaking of dick and fart jokes, uh, on the April 17th episode of SmackDown, Big Cass made his return from injury, aiding Shinsuke Nakamura in attacking AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan during a match in which the two were uh, teaming together. The following week, a Miz TV segment with special guest Daniel Bryan was advertised, although Bryan never came out. It was later revealed that Cass had attacked him backstage and in turn taken his place on Miz TV. Later on that night, as Brian exited the trainer's room after medical evaluation, Brian announced that SmackDown General Manager Page scheduled a match between the two for Backlash. At the Greatest Royal Rumble, Cass eliminated Brian from the Greatest Royal Rumble match after Brian had broken the record for the longest time spent in a Royal Rumble match. That's basically the creative going into it. Steve, what would you do with this match? Well, um, they did the right thing by having Cass be the guy that eliminates Brian if they're going to move moving forward with the angle. That makes a lot of sense. And Brian had already uh, broken the record in the Royal Rumble to have you know the longest time in there, which is great. And, uh, man, did he look tender afterwards with those chops to the Ooh. chest from uh, Roddy Strong, man. I mean, talk about a welcome back to the ring. That's got to definitely be a wake-up call to make you think, maybe that GM job wasn't so bad after all, you know? 
especially if you're talking pretty similar paychecks. I would take the talking role over the uh, taking bumps and chops in the throat any day of the week. But my biggest issue with this angle, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I know Cass just came back after injury and he's been gone for months. But every time I see him, I'm thinking Enzo Amore. Whenever I see Big Cass, I immediately think Enzo Amore. And it makes me think, like, um, Cass is less without Enzo because Enzo, in my opinion, was not just the mouthpiece. He was the personality of that team. And Cass is a little flat without, without Enzo around or at least something else happening. Just him by himself is missing that charisma factor, especially, I mean, you're talking about going in the ring with a guy like Daniel Bryan who, like, literally eats charisma for breakfast and, like, talk about like a, a guy who's five foot nine is going to overshadow a guy who's seven feet tall i mean that that's kind of wonky booking if you ask me you know i'm so like cast needs a little extra something in here and in my opinion like if i mean see it's it's still their first match going into this pay-per-view together one-on-one so it's not like you can really add like a gimmick to the match to kind of uh you know like cast doesn't need the um uh you know i'm not sure how to word it but uh it, it, the, the match needs like a gimmick to it like some sort of something like a, a false count anywhere or something that helps cloak the lack of personality that Cass is putting out there. Because let's face it, the promo of you're short and I'm tall, which means I'm better than you, really, that's really not such great business. Uh, how, how much are you supposed, is he going to do that with every person that he wrestles for the next five years? Because let's face it, he's going to be taller than 95% of the people he wrestles unless Shaquille O'Neal comes out of retirement and kind of wants to go eye to eye with Cass. So, like, where do you go with that? You, you know, I, I need more meat on the bone to kind of think that Cass is a credible, um, you know, opponent for Brian because, I mean, let's, you know, everybody kind of knows how wrestling works nowadays. I, I don't think anybody sees Daniel Bryan, like, losing this match. If so, I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess you could always say, like, they said he was um, on the shelf again because of a chest infection or a possible chest infection. That could just be them working an angle into the match to help get Cass over on Bryan where people will believe, well, they took advantage of a sick Daniel Bryan, you know, which in you know long run doesn't really help Cass because <laughs> it took a seven-foot-tall guy to beat a five-foot-eight guy who's sick. You know, so, like, I don't really see anything other than Daniel Bryan going over going forward with this. So if that's the case, where does that leave Cass, who just came back from injury? So I don't know if this is great booking going into it, having these guys do a one-on-one. Personally, I don't think this is going to be a one-off match which is why on our prediction show, I actually predicted that Big Cass is going to win this match with Brian coming out in the end. Uh, Rick, how would you book this match? You know, um, Steve laying out some great points there. I want to bring up, you know, some other, some other interactions between those two. Uh, you know, we, we've had Big Cass attack Daniel Bryan from behind. Uh, Daniel Bryan, you know, he was sure to make point of that. I don't know why a seven-foot giant attacks anyone from behind. Uh, we also know that last week they were teasing that, that Daniel Bryan, he's not even... He wasn't cleared uh, for SmackDown on Tuesday, so he might not be cleared for this match. I would go maybe the route of, you know, he, he's just barely cleared. They're, they're strongly suggesting that he does not participate in the match, but you know it's Daniel Bryan, uh, the ultimate underdog. He's got the biggest heart. Uh, I'd have him make his entrance. Uh, I would have him come out first, and I would have uh, Cass attack right from the entrance. Uh, I would, I'm not even going to have the match happen. Uh, Cass is just that's going a, that's to a great idea. That's a beat a great down idea. on him. Uh, maybe we get a table spot, something like that. Uh, we'll get the officials out. And then you can, this kind of gives you some room moving forward where you can prolong this uh, program between these two. Wait and, you second. know, you can still give them a good five-minute clip of him beating down Daniel Bryan before the match, you know, gets thrown out. So they can still get some time on 
doing that kind of stuff and just having Cass just bully the crap out of Brian. So that's a really good point. I, I, that's in fact, that's the way it should go. That that that's perfectly booked right there. Wait Especially if you're looking Wait to get maybe second. two or three out of that. What's going on? And now, now, Steve, I don't know if you know the gimmick. See, the gimmick is uh, you're right and Rick mm-hmm. is wrong. Whatever oh. Rick says, whatever Rick says uh-huh. is wrong. We, we, see, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. two matches in a row that we, we we have agreed with Rick, and that's just you're you're killing my heat, man. You're killing my. Do heat. you think you could maybe take that out in editing, and I'll yeah, just I'll, I'll, I'll put I'll, some heat on well, it right now? Yeah, I, I guess I, I guess I can. I, I think guess that's I can let you guys the in. worst booked angle I've ever heard, <laughs> and I think that Cass should just wrestle one on one with Daniel Bryan, and then like da- Daniel Bryan should do a clean job to Cass to help get Cass over, and that's the way it should be because you're wrong. I actually knew you guys were going to try to team up on me here. So I actually reached out to Ben Hameen. So these ideas, I'm just uh, regurgitating what he told me to say. <laughs> That's okay. I've been in the business longer than Ben Hameen. So I'm going to say that I'm all right than he is. So. Let's, uh, let, let's move on to one that's very close and dear to Rick's heart. And that, of course, being Carmella taking on his precious freaking Sharshar for the SmackDown Women's Championship. On the April 10th episode of SmackDown Live, Charlotte Flair, who had just retained, just retained the SmackDown Women's Championship against Asuka at WrestleMania 34, was attacked by the Iconics, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. Carmella then took advantage of the opportunity and cashed in her money in the bank to win the championship. On April 24th, the rematch was scheduled for Backlash. Rick, any chance that your precious Shar Shar can come out on top here? Well, I'm going to say, you know, if I've got the book, yeah, she's going over. Uh, then I also would insert her into the WWE Championship match and give her that title as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, in all seriousness, uh, this, you know, this isn't the right time for the title swap. Uh, Carmella is a transition champion, but they're still trying to uh, align some other key uh, of factors here you know where we're going to go with oscar what do we have going on with becky lynch uh those are your true talents in the division i think this one you kind of have to book it kind of uh, as a as a crazy roller coaster i mean you have to get like the iconics involved uh, maybe you have oscar and becky also involved here uh and i think just somewhere in that melee uh carmella again the the ultimate opportunist uh she steals another victory here steve help convince me that carmella can win this match well, um, I am. I, I would definitely keep the belt on Carmella going forward out of this, and I do see her as more than just a transitional champion. I think she's been doing great as a heel champ, throwing the belt in Charlotte's face when they're in the ring together. In fact, I was at the SmackDown where they did the belt presentation, and she did that whole thing in the ring on SmackDown. I thought it was great. The crowd popped. They, they loved the segment. And uh, the fact that when she's doing that six-lady tag and she held that belt up and was screaming and wooing and doing all those things, got her tons of heat and it was great and then she had the you know the iconics go in there and take all the heat which is fantastic that's what she's got to do and um you know we're still pretty early on in Char- I mean, uh, Car- carmela's career and i i do think that over the next few years you're going to really see this uh this girl come along because she's already doing really good promos she's out there by herself on the mic with real tv time i mean they're not going to do that with her if you know if she's terrible so it shows that the office has a little bit of faith with her and I think that they can get a little bit more time out of this. I mean, Charlotte's going to be a perennial champion in WWE as long as her career is there. She's going to you know, match or beat her father's 16-time reigns. But we don't have to fast forward it so quickly. And you know, every time she loses the belt, she immediately gets it back. In fact, I, I, would, I would wait until Charlotte finally turns heel again to have her take the belt back. And because she's such a big name, she doesn't really need to be the champion. So that way you can have two big names on one card. 
being Charlotte and Carmella, Charlotte as the star, but Carmella as the champion, and still have them working other girls, and that just make you know gives a little bit more volume to the card. You know, kind of stretches it out. Especially if you did A and B shows, you can have Carmella on one show defending the title and Charlotte working. You know, say even Becky Lynch in a double baby match somewhere else. I mean, either way, both of those are going to draw. So you have a title match in one town and, and a star attraction in another. So coming out of this match, I would definitely have Carmella keeping the belt. And Charlotte, you know, just coming up short. But like you said, I would definitely involve the Iconics to help get them some TV time, help them get some pay-per-view time, and help kind of give them more, some more credibility. Uh, Asuka and Becky Lynch can definitely be a part of that. I could definitely see that. And um, the problem is, my only problem is, is with Asuka now being like a supporting cast member, uh, you know, we have to do something down the line with her to help keep her credibility. She needs some strong wins. So I would suggest her going uh, maybe one-on-one with each Iconic over the next couple of weeks after that, coming out of the pay-per-view, not necessarily going into SummerSlam, but just to help keep Asuka kind of strong because, you know, she lost at WrestleMania and then she lost in a tag with Becky Lynch. So now it's like, okay, well, where does, where does she stand going forward? We have three years invested into her with NXT and WWE programming. So we need to do something with this. We can't just say, okay, we're done with Asuka for now because, you know, a, a girl like that, who's a great worker, especially somebody who's international flavor, you can do a lot with somebody like that, and I'd like to see them kind of start thinking about her a little bit more going forward. I know I would like to see a rematch with her and Charlotte somewhere not so far down the line. So to help keep uh, Asuka strong for something like that in particular would be a good idea, I think. I, I would like to see Carmella somehow come out on top, and then I want to see Charlotte win the women's money in the bank match. So now the roles have flipped, and Charlotte has hey guys, the briefcase just, coming after I just Carmella. Got, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I only saw it for a split second, but Ben Hameen just hit me up, and he said that Lashley just got released. Could you guys check? Because I'm using my phone. Could you go online and no see way. maybe that just happened? Uh, no way. I'm, I'm going over to pro wrestling right now. Yeah, it just popped up on my screen from uh, Ben Hameen. It just said something slash Lashley, Lashley released. So this could be kind of interesting. Wow. Let's see here. Uh, pro wrestling, nothing right now. Um, I'm not seeing. Dark, are you seeing anything? I don't see anything as of yet. Let me go to my fire breathing Twitter machine, as uh, Mr. Bubba Ray Dudley would once said. Wow, you talk about a major shakeup. Yeah, that could be definitely something very strange. And then, then you'd have to fix that tag with Lashley and Strowman against Owens and Zane. You have to have somebody stand in for Lashley now. Well, uh, I was going to say, uh, I, we I, know uh, it, T- it's Nicholas available. I am seeing four <laughs> minutes ago, somebody has said that Bobby Lashley has been released. Uh, somebody else is saying that there's an old article floating around of Bobby Lashley's release with a new date on it. Hmm. Very strange. Um, Breaking news right here, guys. This is crazy stuff. Interesting. Yeah, that, I mean, that's crazy. If true, uh, well, I guess we can keep an eye out of here. I mean, no one over in the uh, over on Facebook in the Hameen Media Discussion Group, no one's talking about it yet. Uh, so we'll have to keep an eye out here for it. Um, this actually is coming to me from WWE.com. WWE Uh-oh. has come to terms on the release of Bobby Lashley. As of today, wow. we wish Bobby the best in all future endeavors. Um, 
talk about some breaking news. What the so fuck? I, so let's let's go back. Um, I mean, you you're used to working on the <laughs> okay, fly. Okay, now, no, now guys, I've been in the business like 27 years. Here we are going into a, a pay per view. We just lost a huge part of a tag. We need to fit, fill this hole. Now, this is something that happens when you're booking shows. As uh, you know, we just saw it happen right now. But on the independence, this happens all the time. Like all of a sudden, like somebody's car got a flat tire, or somebody all of a sudden isn't making it to the show for whatever the reason is, and you need to think on your feet and go, "How am I going to save this card?" You know. So now we have to think, who are we going to plug into that spot that's either equal to or greater than Bobby Lashley to keep this match credibility and entertainment wise? So who do we have now that we can fit from that roster, or can we maybe um, move somebody over from the other show and take that spot? Well, who would you, who would you think uh, immediately? Who would you go with there, Steve? Oh, I, I, my my gut instinct is to say Lesnar, but you can't because it's just too costly. <clears throat> See, my immediate thought was Baron Corbin. I would I would love a Baron Corbin babyface turn. Because I think he's been doing a great job. I would like to see him kind of fill well, a hole. Well, see, like that, I was I was thinking more so in the long term as far as positioning against Strowman. Um, mm-hmm. as, as as far as for the tag match, I mean, Braun Strowman and a ten year old w- beat the Bar, the four time Raw Tag Team Champions. I mean, I'm pretty sure. Right, right, right. He he, I, he could do what I always wanted him to do at WrestleMania: just grab a random cameraman and say, "This is my partner." Yeah, yeah, and you know what? In fact, um, um. Baron Corbin does have experience in the ring with Owens and Zayn. They had a whole bunch of uh, matches leading into the last few weeks. So, I mean, that would be a great, great pick, man. Um, well, if, if you're looking for just like a, a fun uh, pick me up from, you know, to kind of fill the, the void from this huge loss for him. Uh, what if you like you have Ron come out and he starts uh, the, the same gimmick at WrestleMania where he's looking around the crowd. Uh, but then he actually finds like Mark Henry. And brings that, in the, the world's strongest man to get that big one. pop. And, and I would, I would love that, that too. I, I, I would love that, and I, I would love just to see, just for the sake of seeing steam shoot out of uh, Ben Hamin's neck. I would love to see them actually have find Nicholas, and he brings Nicholas to the <laughs> ring, and, and they and they tag, and that's like just his go-to tag team partner. Just, just, just for the sake of seeing Ben Hamin turn completely gray overnight. Worth it alone. What about the possibility of like a Lars Sullivan from NXT? Could you could you see uh, could you see giving I a rub to see that. somebody absolutely. like that? Absolutely. And he's a monster. He's a real smart guy. He's picked up the business in a really quick time. He does a decent promo. He's he's built like a brick shit house. I mean that another a definite um, placeholder for a Lashley for a one off at least a, at least a one off. Then just put him back down in NXT and let him w- work back up. You know like. That could be his story going forward, you know, got a taste of the bright lights and wants to go there, you know. I don't think every guy in NXT has to become a champion before they move forward to the main roster. I think that's one of the problems that they do in NXT. Like, let's just see a guy just be good enough and gets the the call up, you know. If they hadn't already announced that Sanity was going to SmackDown, that'd be a really nice spot for Killian Dane. Killian Dane, yeah, that would be a great call, man. Really good call. So at least we know we have a couple of options to stuff in there for Lashley now that Lashley is all of a sudden just... Vominos, you know, so that, that that was a real um. That, that it's going to be shocker. interesting to to find out the reasoning behind this move. Well, and assuming yeah, that it's absolutely. true, and assuming that it's true, because there is no timestamp on this WWE.com article, so this very well could be from ten years ago, never deleted, and somebody dug it back up. Hmm. So why is, would WWE.com have it up there? If it was just never it's deleted in the, in the archives, yeah. Oh, okay. If it was just never removed. Because there's well, no timestamp on the article. 
Okay, but if you actually go to um, uh, currentdatewwe.com, like right now, if you go there, uh, the number one story that pops up is five things you need to know about Bobby Lashley. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, well, let's let's uh, move on to uh, something that's not nearly as interesting as the conversation that we're having. <laughs> um, let's see. We we we, we already did, we, did. Did we even talk about Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss? I don't even remember. No, at this point. not yet. Uh, so here's the creative going into it. At WrestleMania 34, Nia Jax defeated Alexa Bliss to win the Raw Women's Championship. On April 23rd, a rematch for the championship was scheduled for Backlash. That's pretty much it. This is just a continuation of the program going on. Really, the only new development has been the moments of bliss with Alexa Bliss trying to convince everybody that Nia Jax is actually the bully. Strangler, I, I just want you to strangle both of these girls. Oh, wait, that's kind of <laughs> that sounds kind of kinky now that I think about it. <laughs> I think both of these girls are actually doing a good job. I think Nia is going to be a better champion in, in, in history's eye than like, uh, you know, we're willing to give her credit for currently. Um, I could, I want her to keep the title going forward in the SummerSlam. I don't think she can drop it this soon and keep her credibility. And I know that's been one of her hardest parts is having credibility to begin with. But the way she won the belt at uh, WrestleMania, when especially doing those bumps with uh, Mickey James on the floor, where she just ragged all Mickey all over the place. It showed that she really could be a contender. And um, how I would book this match is I would have Nia go over, but I'd have it be really fast, like less than five minutes. And I'd have um, Bliss feign an injury where she comes out the next night uh, and she's in a sling or she has her leg in a brace saying that Nia you know, purposely hurt her trying to end her career and she can comp- uh, petition to have Nia suspended and put the title up or give her the title before she goes in the you know, lawsuit territory or whatever the case may be, making, you know, putting Nia still in that bully category because i don't think the story is done being told uh yet i think there's there's more to be had in this scenario but while they're doing it i think naya should still be positioned as the baby face you know big girl champion absolutely love that beat that one rick i was gonna say i i, I can't argue it I, I totally agree with it i think this thing needs to be essentially beat a squash uh as jargon you pointed out over in our preview show at one wrestling.com uh we did blisses you know she's had some uh some recent surgery done. Uh, what that is, uh, we can we can debate that all day, but it, I still think she had the gimmicks put in or had them enhanced. Uh, so we haven't really seen her in competition. Uh, the only thing I would really add to it, as I mentioned on the preview show as well, though, I think it, it would get a huge pop from uh, from a lot of the smarks if if Bliss came out wearing a Be the Star T-shirt or Be a Star T-shirt. Since yeah, that'd be a nice to touch. Do this little twist on uh, that Naya is actually the bully, and, and I love your idea, Steve. The the next night on Raw, she comes out and she's just throwing a fit. You know that she was the she was the victim here of a senseless. And she beating. say, "How could you put me in the ring with a monster like this who has shown in the past all these you know aggression towards me, both physical and mental? You know, you could really play it up." And she's so good at acting it out with those eyes, those baby eyes, like those big blue eyes. You know, batting her eyelashes. You're like, how could you do this to me? I'm I'm five feet tall. I weigh you know ninety seven pounds. You know. It's it, obviously, you know, not just Naya, but I think the whole company has something against me. What, what did I do, you know, and really just play it up and just make sure like such a heel, you know, I do, I, I do. I do think that down the road, like I'm talking like maybe next year sometime, but I would love to see a really good baby face run come out of Alexa Bliss. And I think it's in there. But to be a great face, you have to first be a really hot heel. And I think we're getting her there. We're getting that to that momentum point where people are 
you know, they like her and they were cheering her, but now she's she's a heel. You know, people are starting to get the, you know, they'll they'll cheer Naya and and Boo Bliss, which is where we need to be for this. So hopefully going forward, they kind of keep it on the rails like that. And then like maybe sometime like come, you know, coming into Mania or out of Mania next year, we can look forward to like some sort of something where 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 um, Bliss becomes a baby face. I look forward to the Alexa Bliss baby face run and when she can flip around that quick wit and use it against heels in a real snarky sort of way. That's going right, to be fantastic right. stuff. Uh, let's talk about uh, Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton for the United States Championship. Uh, at WrestleMania 34, Jinder Mahal defeated Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, and Rusev in a fatal four-way match to win the United States Championship. On the following episode of SmackDown, Orton defeated Roode and Rusev in a triple threat match to face Mahal for the title at Backlash. However, on the April 16th edition of Raw, Mahal was traded to Raw during the Superstar Shakeup and then lost the title to Jeff Hardy. Uh, Mahal invoked his rematch clause at the Greatest Royal Rumble. Hardy then traded to SmackDown the next night, whereas Randy Orton was about to face Shelton Benjamin. Hardy interrupted the entrance, took the match instead. The following week, Hardy set to face Benjamin, but this time Orton interrupted by Hardy. Um, Hardy retains at the Greatest Royal Rumble. Hardy now the defending champion going up against Orton at Backlash. Steve, what do you even think about this? I mean, this this is probably the most creative program actually going into the the show on Sunday. Yeah, but both of these guys, both Hardy and Orton, don't need the U.S. title. This should have been more between Rusev and and um, Jinder Mahal than Hardy and Orton because these guys have they've been around. Like I, we were saying on the Wednesday locker room. So like we were watching Hardy versus Orton versus Shelton, and then there was one other guy, and it was like, this is wrestling from 2008. We're like really watching something from literally 10 years ago. So I'm not sure how much it helps the U.S. title. I don't think it needs that. I think that the U.S. title is for guys who need to get that, you know, their foot in the door somewhere and really get some, um, some, some important wins. That's why I would have loved to have seen it between Rusev and um, Gender. I think they could have used it way more than Hardy and Orton. But... You know, the match itself will be really entertaining. I mean, both of these guys can pull some serious time. In fact, like when we're looking at all the matches so far on the card, this looks like it could be the match that really pulls a good, it could easily pull an 18 to 20 minute uh, spot on the card for sure. And like literally, I don't think it would matter who goes over. It's still going to be a pretty decent match. Like, uh, I, I guess coming out of this, I would have Hardy over with the belt. Rick, what do you think? Yeah, it's, you know, there's a number of ways to come at this one because you do have, uh, Benjamin involved. But as I look at this car, you know, we've got shenanigans in maybe a few other spots. Uh, so this really isn't the right spot for it. So I would just, you know, just have a, a straight up classic match between these two. Uh, let them go out there and show, you know, why they continue to be two of the top performers in the world. Uh, and I would, I would have Hardy just take a clean victory here. Wow. Wow. Both of you guys going clean on this one. I'm, I'm, I gotta oh, yeah. admit, I'm a little surprised. I'm a little surprised. Uh, let's talk about uh, Seth Rollins and The Miz for the Intercontinental Championship. This, of course, Raw versus SmackDown. Uh, at WrestleMania 34, Seth Rollins defeated The Miz and Finn Balor in a triple threat match to capture the Intercontinental Championship. The following night on Raw, The Miz invoked his rematch clause for Backlash. But then during the Superstar Shakeup, Miz was traded to SmackDown. Prior to Backlash, Rollins retained the title against The Miz, Balor, and Samoa Joe, who was also traded to SmackDown, at the Greatest Royal Rumble in a fatal four-way ladder match, making Rollins the defending champion going into Backlash. Uh, really just a matter of a rematch. That's pretty much the creative going into this thing. Uh, Rick, 
how do you see this thing going out? You still going with your uh, Ohio versus everything? Well, I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna have to actually go against Miz here, uh, but. I want to make mention of something that, that Big Ray had brought up, brought to our attention over on our preview show. Uh, you know, this is a dual branded pay per view, so the Miz Taraj is going to be in the building. Uh, I would love to see them. Maybe, maybe they come out and try to help Miz, but it just ultimately backfires, uh, which gives Rollins the win. Uh, I think. I think if anything, the match itself is is going to be great. These guys work well together, but I think the memorable moment would be more somewhere uh, trying to incorporate the Miz Taraj into this. I love the Miz Taraj costing the Miz this match, and then the Miz kicks the Miz Taraj to the curb. Strangler, what do you think about it? I, I, I completely forgot that the Miz Taraj would be there, so that's brilliant to have them involved in it. They have to because they're they've been struggling without the Miz since he left that show, and you know they're trying to find their place. So this would be a great spot for them. But I have to tell you guys, I'm the biggest Miz fan, and I want him to tie that nine-time championship with Chris Jericho because when I see the Intercontinental Belt for the last ten years, I think of the Miz. And what he's done for that title, and there literally there isn't there aren't too many uh, better heels right now in the company than the Miz because he's the one guy that people can go, yeah, that guy, he he's the jerk on the show, you know, and he's so arrogant. But the only thing is, is like with since his baby daughter was born, he's been kind of, you know, baby facing his promos a little because he's doing it for his daughter. Like how can no matter what he does to win a match, how can you be mad at a guy that'll cheat to win for his baby daughter? Like you, what kind of an asshole would like boo that guy, you know? So it's kind of tough. So. I think the Miz has to kind of remain heel. He has to kind of reestablish himself as a uh, I'll do anything kind of heel and you know put it to Rollins. I do think Rollins is going to walk out with the title, but I would love if the Miz just took the belt and brought it to the other show. You know, I just think that would be a great uh, thing for the Miz because he can walk around like he's you know king of the world, and then it sends Rollins back uh, to his show, and then he can go with his tail tucked between his legs and he can go cry in the arms of um, Finn Balor. I do like the idea of The Miz winning his ninth Intercontinental Championship, and I like that because then Jericho could turn around and win his 10th Intercontinental Championship, just of the IWGP version, and then he will always (laughs) have that one up on Miz. He'll always have that one up on Miz, and I really want to see Jericho versus Miz in the battle of the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. Really want to see that. I would pay money to see it. I would go to it. Let's talk about uh, Samoa Joe versus Roman Reigns. Uh, Here's the creative for this match. Samoa Joe doesn't like Roman Reigns. That's the creative. That's pretty much it. At uh, WrestleMania 34, Brock Lesnar retained the Universal Championship, or as I like to call it, the Championship of the Universe against Roman Reigns. Uh, He was then scheduled to defend the title against Reigns in a steel cage at the Greatest Royal Rumble. On Raw, Reigns addressed the rematch against Lesnar when a returning Samoa Joe, who had been out with injuries since January, interrupted him, called him a failure, Challenged him to a match at Backlash. During the Superstar Shakeup, Joe, of course, sent to SmackDown because people will cheer Joe over Roman Reigns. Uh, Strangler, since we have you here, I'm wondering if you could clarify something for me. Because Rick and okay. I were talking about this yesterday on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Um, is there actually a rule that says during a cage match, the person that wins is the person that has both feet hit the floor First, because I'm not sure I've ever seen that rule before. Well, I would take you to the Hulk Hogan versus Paul Orndorff match from Saturday Night's Main Event in 1985, where both of their feet hit the floor at the exact same time, supposedly, and they kept showing the replay of both of their feet with two different camera angles, and they even had like a time counter going down, and they both hit their feet. So that was a that was um, a point of contestant uh, for uh, Paul Orndorff to keep getting a rematch 
And so, because they couldn't decide, so since the match had been thrown out, Hulk Hogan kept the title because he was the champion walking in. So championship rules, the title, you know, if the match is thrown out, the champion keeps the title. So I guess there is a, a precedent right there for it. But my and, understanding um, I, was, my understanding was, it's whoever hits the floor first, regardless of what part of the body. Right, 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 right. No, it never said. Okay, well, the, the example I saw, it definitely was feet because they were both climbing from the top down to the bottom. Right. But yeah, I guess it would be whatever. Whoever. I, in fact, I can imagine them saying, hearing it, whoever escapes the cage, whether it's over the top or through the door, is the winner of the match. I don't think I ever remember hearing them say, and both feet hitting the floor, unless it was like a battle royal scenario. So you may have you may have an asterisk on that one right there. I was just curious. So that, that's something we were discussing. Like I, I was wondering if this entire both feet had to hit the floor narrative got added because it happened at a Royal Rumble show. And it was like our brains just immediately thought that. But I'm not sure mm -hmm. that that's actually the rule. Um, how would you book this match, Steve? Because I, this is one of the most intriguing matches on this show, without any question. Both of these guys it need is, a win here. They do. They both need the win. And it, it, this is one of the things on the Wednesday locker room. We were saying we couldn't decide uh, who, who would win this. But here's, I guess, uh, you know, I've been thinking about this match for a couple of days now. And I think I would have Samoa Joe go over for the fact that uh, if Reigns goes over, nothing happens. Nothing changes. It's just business as usual. Samoa Joe's come off of a couple injuries, and he's been kind of lukewarm ever since. So this would be a good way to heat up a big heel like Joe. The crowd kind of like wants to like Joe, but Joe still kind of puts him down. and kind of He's a big, thick heel. He's got a lot of credibility. He has a good past as far as like the stuff that he's done leading up to where he is today in the WWE. Like his time... In uh, you know Japan, his time in Ring of Honor, his time in TNA, his time in even if you want to go back to UPW in Southern California, and he's always been booked as a strong over guy who can, you know, just manhandle people. So what I would do is I would have Joe go over on Reigns, and I would have him go over, you know, strong enough where you know it doesn't look like he, you know Reigns slipped on a banana peel to lose the match. You know, I'd say you know Reigns is coming off of a tough loss. Hey, he happened to lose again. He, you know, this is you know Reigns maybe starting to have like some sort of psychological. Um, like where he, he, he's not able to win anymore. Like I would put Reigns on a losing streak. And then that, maybe people will start to kind of like sympathize with him a little bit more since he's been, you know, everybody's seen him as like the guy or whatever. And he's always having win after win after win over no matter who he was in there with. And all of a sudden he has a couple losses and doesn't know how to kind of react to it. It doesn't necessarily have to turn him heel, but he gets down on himself and starts questioning himself. And I think, you know, if you give people a little bit more personal story to that, like you see him go home with his wife and his kid and they're kind of like, you know, saying, oh, you know, it's OK, it'll get better, it'll get better, but it doesn't get better. And I think if you finally did that and slowly started to build him back towards back up, say, towards like the Royal Rumble or whatever, or even towards the next WrestleMania, I think you could slowly get people back on his side again. But he's been booked so strong for so long and has been like already known whether he had the belt or not as like the guy that people are just so tired of it. So I think doing something like this could help people kind of be like, well, you know, when he finally gets that next, that, that first win after months and months of losing might kind of, you know, spark that, that little spark that he needs to get people back on his side. Huckleberry, what do you make of this thing? I was going to say, I really like that scenario, you know, break him down and let the people build him back up. Uh, see if they can get people to rally behind him. Uh, but as for booking this thing, Jargo, I, I kind of like you, what you what you've been talking about the last couple of times we've talked about this match, so I'm going to kick it to you. Why don't you why don't you share with us uh, how you would see this thing going down? Well, you had brought up the uh, them bringing the referee into the involvement here, 
And so I was kind of going to play off of that scenario where the referee, once again, kind of screws Roman Reigns without screwing Roman Reigns. So you have a ref stoppage where Roman doesn't tap out, Roman doesn't get choked out, but the ref stops the match and awards the win to Samoa Joe because he does not believe that Roman can continue, even under Roman's protest. I like that idea a lot. If that would have happened, I would need to see color from Reigns again since he just had it in WrestleMania. That way it has the credibility on the ref saying, no, we can't do this again. He's got the gloves on. It's visual. He's already got the cut right there. All you'd have to do is like a five pounds of pressure to the head. It would literally just pour. So the only way I could see that happening is if he had color again. And you could believe a guy like Samoa Joe could not only do it, but would capitalize on having it had happened last month. Yep. Because he needs to get that win, and he's a hungry guy, and he needs to make that happen. So that's the only way I could support a ref stoppage at that point. I like it. I like it. Uh, let, let's talk about what I assume will be the main event, because the WWE Championship is on the line, although the WWE doesn't necessarily like to value its belts the way that I value their belts. Um, AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura. No disqualification for the WWE Championship. Of course, at WrestleMania 34, AJ successfully retained the WWE Championship against Shinsuke Nakamura. After the match, Nakamura would turn heel by attacking Styles with a low low blow, repeatedly hitting AJ Styles in the dick over and over, week after week after week. The Pinchasa is what it's being called now. Of course, this past Tuesday, May 1st, SmackDown General Manager Page announced that this would be a no-disqualification match. For one reason or another, I'm still trying to figure out what in the world the motivation would be for that. Uh, Rick, how do you want to book this thing? How would you book this thing? How would it go down in your world? Uh, you know, I think I'm going to make this night uh, a really about truly building up and, and- and reestablishing as a major player, as Steve just mentioned, he's been kind of uh, just kind of kind of lost in the waters there for a little bit. I'm going to make this this show about Samoa Joe. Uh, earlier in the show, he goes over on Roman Reigns. Uh, he's actually going to to reappear here in this match, uh, get himself involved, and actually cost AJ Styles the championship. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Uh, then, then to, as we go off the air, we get a very intense moment. Uh, between Samoa Joe and, and Shitsuke. Uh, now, obviously, AJ is going to be able to invoke his rematch clause. So that kind of uh, just ties into what that, the tease that we got last week, um, you know, bringing these three together. I do like that because when Shinsuke's music hit on SmackDown, the first thing Joe did was drop the mic and turn towards the entrance, ready to fight. Of course, Shinsuke came through the crowd, gave AJ the low blow once again, but Joe was ready to fight Shinsuke Nakamura. So that that's a very good catch there, Rick. Uh, Strangler, how would you book this match? Uh, I'll tell you, I'm not against having Samoa Joe enter that uh, towards the end. But I'll tell you, I just, I'm just not feeling it with Nakamura getting the belt. I just, you know, he's doing that, like you said, he's doing that nut shot week after week after week. You know what that makes him? It makes him weak. He's a heel that's having to resort to that kind of stuff because apparently what he's been doing is ineffective. And I believe that's kind of been like the, um, it's foreshadowing like what's happened for him over the last six or eight months. He's been ineffective. So, like I said, and I was saying this jokingly, but it's like, the, the bizarre brain of Vince, Vince McMahon. Like, I just hope like the match doesn't come down to the fact that 
Nakamura goes to try to do a nut shot on AJ, and AJ is wearing a leadline athletic supporter, kind of like they would. You know, Bret Hart had the the metal sheet in his th- in his in his trunks, and when Goldberg went to spear him in WCW, he you know got knocked out from it. Um, if, if that if, if this match has anything to do with AJ's cup or his balls or anything like that, we it's a failure. It's a writing failure. So they need to kind of s- s- stop booking this match around a nut shot. I mean, I can't. I've never seen something so weak in like current memory, you know what I mean? So in my opinion personally, I would like to see AJ leave with the belt or at least win, then bring Joe out afterwards, and they can have their stare off. And Nakamura kind of goes off. My my opinion is I would I would literally have Nakamura go off and like go into some sort of like training regiment, like some some old like Eastern philosophy, like Asian training regiment where like maybe he even goes to Tibet or does some sort of thing where he has to like cleanse his spirit or his chi or whatever and kind of come back refocused. Like I'm talking like months down the road because he's been so ineffective in my opinion. And this is my own personal opinion. Like I, I was expecting a lot more out of Nakamura when he came over from Japan than what I've seen in the ring. Like you have his entrance and then you have his four moves that he does every single time in the exact same order. So to me, his matches have become repetitive only a year, a year and a half, two years into his WWE career. So I'm already kind of bored with him. And when he was a babyface, all he pretty much was was an entrance that people could kind of sing along to. But once the match started, he, you know, like he, he'd rest his head on your belly and, you know, wiggle his arms. He would say, come on. He would have you on the turnbuckle and give you a knee. And then you'd have the Kinshasa. So that was pretty much, you know, every Nakamura match that I saw in the last year and a half. So I want to see something new out of him. Have him, Kind of go away, have him come back refreshed, maybe even with a new look, new hairstyle, new gear, and maybe put the Michael Jackson stuff aside and do something completely new where he can kind of come on, uh, maybe even come back as a baby face because the, the, it's just not working for me personally, but that's just me. But I, I, think, I do think the money down the road is Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles. And, but one thing I, uh, Andrew Bella was saying on the Wednesday locker room this week was, do you think that WWE would take a risk of having Samoa Joe and AJ Styles in the main event of a WWE show uh, with the WWE Championship and having the um, the chance of people chanting TNA during it? <laughs> have I'm trying to think if I've ever heard a TNA chant. Like, even at a TNA show, I'm not sure oh, I've yeah, heard they, a TNA chant. Their shows they it, get happened, it happened last week in, in Montreal. They were, they, they, they were doing a TNA chant. I think they were just chanting Canadian gibberish. Yeah, <laughs> it very well could be. It was something in French, and Bello was hearing things. That's that's what I'm. That's my narrative. It might have been Billy Ray who heard the TNA chant. So oh well, gonna, he is a Billy Ray. Theorist, I mean, you, so. God knows what Billy Ray's hearing going on upstairs, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> you, never, you never know. Anything else you guys wanted to comment on when it comes to Backlash 2018? Well, I, I guess, Steve, what would, just a real quick question in closing here. What would be like the biggest point that you would want the audience to take home from, from your booking of Backlash if you were, if you had the book for this show? Well, I guess, like I said, like I would be having Samoa Joe facing off with AJ is the last thing that you see. So going into the program this week, you know that those two would be, you know, having some business to settle. And I, I all everything that I would book out of this would be going towards um, the main event and undercard of SummerSlam. So my most important thing is I would want all my champions looking strong. Although with that AJ running, you have a reason that Samoa Joe is like the overheel. And AJ, even though he's the champion, is working in an underdog position. 
So you can finally, you know, you can see AJ kind of work underneath in the match when you finally have him with Joe. So when he does go over, you know, it's 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 a real victory, you know, because I would keep it on AJ. This I think AJ is a champion that you can just like he's a guy that you can just run with the title. There's no reason to take it off of him. People still love him. And think of it like this. He's a champion in 2018 where he's a small baby face and he's a champion and people still cheer him. I mean, how impossible is that? Because he's like he's so good at what he does is he actually has how insane is this? He actually has respect from wrestling fans, which is one of the things that misses is like a lot of fans don't respect the boys sometimes. You know, they're willing to like chant crap during their matches or, you know, try to do beach ball stuff during the matches and take away to make themselves a part of the show. But when AJ works, people sit down and they watch him and they cheer for him because they have a unique uh, love for AJ Styles, which is, I think, it's like only second, seconded by maybe Daniel Bryan. So, like, those are the only two strong baby faces that you have. So let's kind of keep them as strong as possible and, like, kind of enjoy AJ's run as champion. I, I, I do think that Daniel Bryan, if he can stay healthy, uh, maybe down the road would, would make a great contender, especially if Miz was the Intercontinental Champion again, having that Miz-Daniel Bryan Intercontinental Championship match because I think people would, could believe it could go either way. I don't think we'd be able to predict a finish in that match. Plus, Daniel Bryan still needs to get his heat back from when he, like, relinquished the Intercontinental belt. Plus all the heat that hit the Miz and Daniel Bryan had had for the last year, actually going back to like when Daniel Bryan was a rookie on NXT and the Miz was his veteran, you know. So there's lots to, to lots of meat on the bone with the two of those guys. So I think that's what I would be kind of leaning into coming out of this would be the Miz and Daniel Bryan going into SummerSlam for that title, <clears throat> and AJ and Samoa Joe. Then I would have a Universal title with Brock Lesnar maybe versus Strowman, and those that would be like my my three centerpiece matches. Everything else is pretty much garnish around that, other than maybe like having Charlotte in 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 um in a in um maybe a championship match rematch with Carmella. So that's going to wrap things up for your backlash preview show. Of course, Rick and I will be back this Monday over at hackerhameen.podbean.com with the reporter of the people, the man with the plan, Big Ray, here to stay. He's going to come talk some backlash with us on Monday. Until then, you can visit our friends Ryan and Michael over at thegorillaposition.com as they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Of course, you can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, how do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you? As always, and give me a, a follow across all social media at the real RBV. Uh, and I'd like to extend a, a, another welcome to anyone to, to head on over to Facebook, do a search for the Hamid Media Discussion Group. Uh, you want to make sure that you especially want to join us this weekend uh, with Backlash. We're going to have the live discussion threads. Uh, we're going to have plenty of interactive uh, conversations going on. And we also have our Pick'em Challenge to look forward to. Strangler, how do the people find you on social media? Well, uh, before I tell them that, I just want to say thank you for having me on, guys. This has been an absolute blast, and it's great to getting to know more people from the Hameen Media Group uh, family. And I've been listening to your show on the Monday Locker Room, and you guys have been just killing it. Your last week's show about the Greatest Royal Rumble, I was talking to Hameen about it on the phone, and, man, we were just we, we loved every minute of the show. And you guys talked with so much passion, and, you, you know, you came at it, and it wasn't just opinion. You came in with some facts, too, to back up your opinions, and... You know, I have to say, I really appreciated that. I really respected the amount of time you put into it. And um, you made a listener for life with me when you did that because it was just such a great show. So to anybody who hasn't checked it out, I'm sure they have. I think I was the only one that was kind of late to the party on that. But the Monday Locker Room is just killing it with you guys. So, you know, I, you know, kudos to you guys. And I also want to say hello to my tag team partners, um, Billy Ray Valentine and um, Andrew Bello on the Wednesday Locker Rooms. They can listen to us every Wednesday. We're doing uh, Raw and SmackDown reviews. 
You can follow my partners, uh, Andrew Bello, at Bello being Bello, and Billy Ray Valentine is at OB1YouKnowMe. And uh, you can follow me at Strangler Steve on Twitter. And um, if you have any questions about the business, I'd love to be there and answer them for you. You can either tweet them to me or send them in a direct message and we can get to it that way. And I just want to say thanks again for having me on the show, guys. It's been a blast, and I can't wait to do it again in the future. Strangler, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you're interested in Rick and I's official predictions, not necessarily how Rick would book his terrible show, you can go visit OneWrestling.com or find up their YouTube at One Wrestling and find me and Rick on there giving our predictions. Once again, Monday in the locker room, HackerHameen.Podbean.com. The three amigos will ride again as we break down some backlash. For now... We're off like a prom dress. See ya! Crunch your fingers. Label me. I don't give a f- I'll be your bad guy. Stop, stop, go!